Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And today we are here at Hayes County Barbecue with Michael Hernandez. And Michael, we are in a recently opened building here. This is pretty slick. This is um, it, this has been a long time coming for you, and I know <laughs> years ago we've talked about this place when you were still in the trailer that was on the lot here. But your your barbecue history goes back earlier than just here on 35. Correct. Um, so before we get to you getting into the business. Um, what were your what were your memories of barbecue and what what did you eat what did you like to eat what was kind of that that influence um it, when i uh before i got into the business i was working for uh, verizon wireless uh, i was a sales associate with them and uh, my manager we were i was trying to close a big uh, deal close to lockhart so i took my manager with me to to kind of help close the deal um, and so while we were in that area, she made the recommendation and said, hey, have you ever been to Kreitz um, or Smitty's? I said, no, I've never been. I mean, back, I'm from Lubbock, so back in Lubbock, you don't really, at that time, you didn't have any good barbecue. So she uh, insisted that we stop at Kreitz. Um, so we did. And I remember uh, being wild by walking into the big smoke room. That experience is, I'll never forget that. I mean, that's something that will stay with me forever. When you walk in and you see these ginormous pits, the smoke in the air, uh, and the smell of post oak burning, I mean, it's just amazing. And then watching them pull the meat out of the pits, put them on the chopping block and slicing up the meats, that in itself was an awesome experience as well. So uh, we had brisket, sausage, and some ribs. And uh, for my first time ever having a Central Texas experience with brisket, it was just a huge eye-opener for myself. And that, that kind of hooked you on, on barbecue from there on. It really inspired me. I, uh, I'm very, very, there's a big joke that my family, that's an inside joke, and uh, <laughs> I'll share it with the world because, you know, where that kind of just tells you where I was and where I am now. Uh, my version of doing a brisket was to put mustard and wrap it up in foil and throw it inside a uh, big old uh, crock pot, per se. That was my version back then. Put, that's that's and, still some people's well, version. Well, well it's funny because I actually used to add uh, smoke, uh, smoke, what is it, liquid smoke? Liquid smoke, smoke yeah. And it used to make me deathly sick, but I still used to do it because somewhere inside my soul, before I introduced <laughs> to Central Texas Barbecue, I knew that I had a niche or interest in barbecue, and I'd do it, and of course we'd eat it, and I'd get sick later on, I had to pay, but I would do it anyway. <laughs> But that's where I was back when, before I got introduced to the real barbecue experience. So it's quite the leap to go from having that one big experience to obviously where you are now. Once you had that wow experience in Lockhart, what got you into, okay, well maybe barbecue can actually be a profession, something I can get into as a career? I uh, have always had a passion for cooking. I just love to cook. That's just something that Believe it or not, people ask me, did you go to culinary school? I said, no, I'm self-taught. I, I have this passion for cooking. I can, even my wife, who's been with me 26 years, will sometimes be amazed on uh, how I come up with the actual measurements. And, and I don't, I don't have like a actual, when I'm cooking a new dish, I'll just try trial and error. Kind of, my, my palate is really good. Uh, I can break down stuff and kind of get an idea on what I want to add or decrease or increase. And it's been something that I've I just been blessed with in, in a good way. And I mean, it humbly. Um, I love to cook, and I can cook pretty much uh, anything you throw at me. Just tell me what you're looking for, and I'll make it happen. Anywhere from American food, Mexican food, now barbecue. Uh, so that was always inside that 
that creativity, the, the passion for cooking was always there. And now I just got into the barbecue world and then it's kind of excelled from that point. And, and you got into the barbecue world kind of sort of um, on happenstance. It wasn't really a, it was, a lot of people talk about things like divine intervention. I mean, the timing and everything just seemed to fall all right into place. Correct. Um, and that was, um, you had an opportunity to purchase a, a business that was existing. Correct. So back when I worked for Verizon Wireless, I made an individual, she, a uh, co-worker of mine, she was married to a gentleman who used to own some real estate that had been in the barbecue world himself. Uh, he was in the barbecue world from 84 to 2000, who was the individual named Woody. And uh, she had, I had just left Verizon for about a month and, go, and went to work for a credit card processing company. And she reached out to me. She says, hey, uh, Woody's reopening the barbecue joint. He's going to go back into business because the tenant that was there left. And uh, he said, any credit card service? I said, hey, no problem. I'll be there. Give me a couple days. I'll be there and I'll set up a time and get him squared away. And so a uh, couple of days later, I go up to the uh, barbecue joint, which was on Hunter Road. And uh, we were setting up the credit card comp uh, credit card processing uh, unit. And uh, Woody asked me, he said, hey, uh, do you know anyone wanting to get in the bar uh, barbecue business? I was like, well, I really don't know. But inside, I was like, yes, that's me. Yes, it's me. And the funniest thing is, at that time, I wasn't even looking. I was very happy. I was making some very good money working from home. I was just gotten on this company. It was a very good company. And I was very happy. So I really wasn't looking, but the opportunity kind of just set stared me in the face at that time so I kind of kind of probed in a little bit more I was like well what 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 uh, what does it entail and he kind of started telling me about how he did business and how he was interested in selling the business but not the real estate and so my my thoughts were I tell you what let me come hang out during lunch when you open and I want to kind of see what you're doing so the first day uh, he opened which was two days later I went up there during lunch and I kind of saw the process. He was cooking, putting it on there. People were coming through and wanting barbecue and by the pound or by the slice or sandwich. And I thought it was really interesting on how he was doing business. Um, and so that sparked my interest. I then reached out to my wife and I said, hey, uh, what do you think of this idea? And unfortunately, back in uh, the 80s, uh, late 80s, actually 90s, early, uh, early 90s, I had a uh, pressure washing business in Houston. And I, it was a short run business. It was my first business. I didn't know the ins and outs of business uh, 101 to where, where I failed, unfortunately to say. And uh, so she kind of had a real bad taste in her mouth about working for ourselves. And here where we were, she was making good money. I was make, making good money, but still there was kind of an element that was missing. Long behold, the barbecue ownership, the barbecue realm was missing out of my life. So. Long story short, I uh, asked her. She did not want to do it at first, and I kind of, kind of had her come hang out with us that, that following Saturday. She kind of quickly caught the vision of what it could potentially be because we were looking at it not for what it was. We were looking at it of what it could be, you know, because it was, you know, the atmosphere was not where I felt it should have been. The quality wasn't where I thought it should have been. But the concept, which is the Lockhart style concept, I quickly grasped and I thought, hey, we can do something with this. And so we uh, ended up closing the deal, and we bought the business, but not the real estate. And and you went all in. You you cashed in your 401k. I mean, this was this was a one-way street. Correct. It was. Uh, it was a huge leap of faith because for two reasons. One, my wife asked me, "Do you want me to help you part time?" I said, "No, no, 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 no." I said, "We're both going to leave our jobs, and we're both going to do this full time because I never want to have the would have, could have, should have. I wanted to give it all. That way, if for some reason we fail." 
There's not ever a, well, we should have done this. We could have done that. It's, we gave it all and it wasn't for us. But I said, but on the scheme of things, I said, there's no room for failure. We're going to do this and we're going to do it all the way in. And so we, we did it. We got into the business. And the funniest thing is we were uh, into the business a short time when she and I went up to HEB to get some product. And we were standing at the, uh, the checkout line and I happened to look over and long behold was a tw uh, 2008 issue of the top 50 uh, barbecue joints in Texas. And I saw the magazine and I just kind of quickly gra grabbed it, started going through it. And I'm like, oh my God. And I looked at her, I said, hey, we're gonna be on this, in this magazine, the next issue. Well, I didn't know at the time it was every five years. I was thinking it was a yearly thing. And uh, she kind of thought I was crazy. She's like, you're crazy. I was like, no, we're gonna be in this magazine. I promise you. And that was kind of like the standard I set for myself going forward. Everything I was doing in the kitchen was with that behind, you know, thinking about getting in that magazine eventually. And I knew that my game had to be strong because you couldn't just get in that magazine just because you sold barbecue. So, so obviously you, you had goals, you had drive, you guys had the passion. Was the business successful right off the bat or how, how did the business grow into where were the customers receptive to the changes that you had made from the previous ownership to when you took it over or did it take time to kind of develop that fan base for your barbecue? Well, given a little bit of history, a little bit further history, Woody had been in business since 84 to 2000 and I didn't know that he had a horrible reputation. I, I kind of wanted to, whenever we bought the business from him, I wanted to keep the name thinking that we could possibly um, kind of build on that, thinking there was a long history, and long behold, it, he didn't have, he had a horrible reputation. And come to find out, there was an individual by the name of uh, Tony Martinez who did work for Kreitz that had ran the joint from 2000 when Woody closed. Uh, uh, Tony Martinez got it and ran it in a south side market. So there for a long time, people confused me with him. They thought that I had worked at Kreitz. But the story was, Tony had worked for Kreitz from 2000 up until 2007. Uh, and what had happened was between him and Woody is that uh, Woody was increasing rent, was being dishonest with him. Um, there's even a story that uh, he actually piped in his house that was next to the business together and Tony was paying for the utilities without him knowing. <laughs> oh so this guy was unfortunately a very dishonest person. Um, and so Tony finally got tired of it. He said, you know what, I'm done, I'm out of here. So the traffic was there. Tony had built the traffic because uh, what I understood, I never met the individual. He had the Kreitz influence on his cooking style. He had everything but the actual business sense as far as continuing a business, growing it, marketing it, uh, what it takes to grow a business now this day and age. He didn't have that component. And so he quickly, a combination of that and a combination of Woody trying to take advantage of him, he quickly decided just to get out of the business. You know, he, he was in, I think, six years, seven years. Yeah. And so from from there, were you, you know, it, it sounded like you didn't have a lot of experience in brisket cooking <laughs> as well as <laughs> as well as some of the other stuff. Um, how was it, I mean, how was it learning to cook the brisket? Was it something it that was, you picked up or? Well, it was something he, I kind of watched what he was doing and I, I quickly kind of baptized him in, in the sense of saying that he would, or I say baptize him, but he was just sprinkling the briskets and kind of sprinkling them like, like I guess priests do on, they did a little water. He was doing that with the brisket, just very little. He's blessing them is what I called him. <laughs> but uh, the one thing he, he would do, he would do that and then he would still, he would cook them overnight. And the only problem was to me, uh, it didn't have a lot of f flavor. It wasn't pungent. It was just a bland cut of meat. 
and I think it was just because uh, it lacked a lot of seasoning. He didn't he didn't put much on it. But um, over the time, he spent about a, about a month with me, um, showing me what how to go about it. And I took the logistics of it and I put my own spin on it because I was kind of not in agreement with a lot of stuff he was doing. That one of them being that he was just putting very little seasoning on the brisket. And then uh, the sausage, he did it a certain way. I liked the concept, but I just didn't care for the sausage itself. So I took that and I started taking out ingredients, adding ingredients, increasing, decreasing. And it took me about three years to perfect the sausage on, that's the same recipe that I still have three years into the business. It's when, when I got the grasp of how to make a good sausage and I kept that recipe going up till now. Yeah, that's one and, of the things that I, I think a lot of people are familiar with here at Hayes County is the sausage. So. Um, along with everything else, but it, it is a unique sausage, and uh, you guys do it really well. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too. Sea rings. I love sea rings. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so so you, you were working there, um, learning the business, learning, learning the ropes, business. and um, you, you made it into the top 50. Yeah, I, I do want to say this. when Back when, and I always laugh at this sometimes, I'll sit in the evenings after a long day, I'll think about it, and I still remember when I got my first, people would call, they would call and say, hey, I need uh, catering for 100 people. And there could be no one in line. And I'd be on the phone. I'd be like, oh, uh, sir, ma'am, let me get your number. Let me call you back. We're really busy right now, but we will get back. And I would hang up, get their information, hang up. I would not want them calling back because I didn't know anything about catering. And here I am thinking 100 people. Oh, my God. Well, how am I going to do that? How, how do you even measure the amount of meats? And how, I mean, I'm just wigging out thinking, what am I going to do? I mean, here they want for 100 people. And so as time progressed, I started learning the ropes, learning the ropes. And I think one of the biggest uh, impact, or I say impact, one of the biggest things that happened during the time that I was learning, which uh, was extremely embarrassing, was I had a uh, Texas State, obviously, and it's here with us here in San Marcos. And they called me for a catering for 300 people. No problem. I, I, got, the, I got the gist of it. I can do this. And so the morning of, I crank up the fire and I'm going and feeding the fire, checking the briskets, well, nothing is cooking. So I'm like, man, what's going on? That I get a bit bad batch of firewood, what's going on? And I'm stressing, here comes six o'clock, here comes seven o'clock. I'm pumping the firewood, the fire, I can see the flames coming out, but you know, here I got a big box of firewood just burning. I'm scorching, afterburner, sitting there just, and I was having so much trouble getting the heat to flow. Just because so much meat was on the pit at once, Correct. right? Yeah. There was that, and then nine o'clock comes. The meat is raw, so raw. I mean, it's so far from being even done. I mean, it's not even a quarter of it done. Well, we have to have the catering there at Texas State by eleven o'clock to serve at eleven thirty. I'm in knots. We had to actually not open that day. I had to put a big old sign on the door due to technical difficulties. We are unable to open today. So I called Woody and I said, hey, what's going on? What am I doing wrong? He's like, well, I don't know. He's, it's a simple operation. You put fire, you put meat, and you cook it, and that's it. It's not that complicated. I'm like, well, it's not cooking. And he's like, well, have you cleaned the smokestack? I said, what? Have you cleaned the smokestack? I said, what do you mean clean the smokestack? Yeah, yeah, did you clean out the smokestack? I was like, uh, no. So I went running took the meat off the, the grates, moved the grates out of the way, and I looked back to where the smokestack was, and the, the entire opening was covered in suet. Yeah. So there was no flow, so that was a problem. So I always look back on that. I cleaned it out, put it back together, and it worked. And that was a big lesson for me, and it was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. And, but that was one of those things that you learn from, and you never repeat it again. Now we clean our stacks 
you know, every other week. We clean our pits every other week. We keep everything maintained. You know, coming into the business, you didn't know. I just thought, I just thought it was metal, put fire, put meat, cook it, and that's it. But you have to maintain these pits in that way. So, anyhow. <laughs> one of those lessons like I said you, you, sometimes you have to learn those hard Absolutely. lessons and you know that was one of them so obviously 2013 the dream comes through the the, the list you're on it all that great stuff you're still operating the business but things were starting to change within that business after the 2013 list so that kind of eventually led to where we are now so tell us what what that transition was like as far as when that last list came out and things changed at Woody's well, um, when the list came out, the actual the, the morning of the tweet, a tweet came out. Believe it or not, that exact same day, we had people waiting outside. It was like, what's going on? And I just caught wind that we made the 2013 issue, and to me, I I, I was lost for words. I was so excited. I didn't. I mean, I had so much mixed emotions. Your hard work, your 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 dream came true, and it's a big deal. And so that morning, we literally had miles of people coming. You know, coming from their cars, just crowding the front door, ready to get in, and you know our our volume wasn't there before. It wasn't, and so we're yeah, we're just, starting to we're starting one, to panic. One pit, two pits. We had two pits. Two pits. Yeah. I panic. You know, I'm sitting there going, "What do these people want?" I get is it, is it? I didn't know that people would respond that quickly. You know, that was a tweet in the morning. By ten o'clock, we have all these people outside, and I'm like, "Man, that's pretty quick." So. We sat there and we ran out within you know, 30 minutes of being open, and I couldn't believe you know what had just happened. I'm like, is this going to be an everyday occurrence? Is it just a one time? Is this just for today? Well, I never let up, and we continued building the business, building the business. I had another pit that was still not enough. I, I got two pits, mobile pits built, and that kind of helped counter the the traffic. Um, the volume continued to increase, and that. It came to a point where we were going to buy the real estate. Uh, the Woody and I had come into agreement. I was paying them a little bit more because I was already established. So I had no intentions on moving. And when he saw the success overnight, he got extremely greedy. And, and so I went back to him and I said, hey, let's close on the deal. Let's, let's get it done. And he went up another 500000 on the yes. asking price. So in other words, he was telling me that he was not going to sell out. And so here I am in a rock and a hard place. And then and it got even better in the sense of, uh, he said, your, your, your lease is up in three months. And when your lease is up, your rent's going up $1,000 a month. Wow. So he was going to capitalize on my hard work. And so I asked him one time, I said, are you sure you want to do that? He says, absolutely. I said, okay. If that's where you're at and you're good with that. And I just walked out of his house. I got in my truck, took off, and, and my wife's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, I'm going to drop you off. I need this day to myself. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to anyone. I was so angry because all I could think is all the hard work my, my family, my wife, my son had been through, all the trials and tribulations that we went through to get where we were at and to have someone just come back and take advantage of us that way. I just, I was very, very offended and hurt. And so I drove around, drove around, drove around, and there was a lot of spots I, I eyeballed, but they were so expensive because they were on the interstate. And this place that we're currently at, it was a car lot dealership. It was a small little modular building or a trailer. And um, the parking lot was a little bit tore up, but it was for lease. So I called the number. He didn't respond. About three, four days later, he finally gets a hold of me. And he's like, hey, uh, you called and you were interested in the property. I said, I am, sir. But I didn't want to tell him that I wanted to buy it. I did ask him, is it for sale? He said, no, it's not for sale. 
Um, and he's like, I said, well, can I, can I see the, the building? He's like, yeah, sure. We set up the time. I pulled in with my vehicle. It was a wrap vehicle, kind of hinting to him where I was. And he knew who I was. He had been buying food for, from us for special events for his car dealership. So he knew who I was. So I go up and I start talking about what had happened, what had transpired, why we're trying to relocate. And finally asked him, once again, would you sell me this property? He's like, well, it's really not for sale. And I asked him, please. This is all I'm trying to do. If someone else comes here, it's going to be another car dealership. You're going to water down your own market. You know, being in sales, I understood the, the concept. So you're going to water down your own market. You know a restaurant's coming here, so sell it to me. You'll, you know, you'll make some money off the property. And so he's like, you know what? He got on his phone, made a phone call. He said, you know what? I'm going to sell it to you. Well, the funniest thing was I didn't have the money, <laughs> nor the down payment. We had just, renewed a, we had just uh, renovated our, our home we bought. And not knowing that this was going to happen with the old location and the landlord, we had no clue that was going to happen. So we, were, we felt comfortable enough to renovate our uh, new home that we had bought. And uh, we took all our liquid and put it into the home. So we had nothing, no nothing. I mean, maybe $2,000 in the bank of even that. So my wife was looking at me like, she goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm making a deal here. So he walks off. He gets on the phone. And she's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm like... We're gonna make it happen somehow, some way. So, we walked the property. I kind of, kind of had the vision, and what came out to be the little trailer. We, we, we knocked the walls down. We put the serving counter. We took the restroom doors on the inside. We moved them to the outside. We put a playscape. We put an outdoor pavilion, and that served us for about four and a half years. We did. Uh, we outgrew that very quickly, being on the interstate, uh, and the following, and the and the uh, the, the uh, grow growing interest in barbecue drove those uh the growth it just automatically and it, and it was it was a really small place i can't 1300 um, <laughs> square feet and that includes the kitchen including the kitchen that includes the kitchen <laughs> pit room was outside but Correct. but that does include the kitchen um and and you know i used to love it because it it you know it is a, it used to be you used to actually be able to tell it was a used car lot and so you know my my joke was always what do i need to do to get you into a brisket today <laughs> um, but but it was but it was a very nice place and you and you had customer service very early on now moving from the old location to this new location um overnight yes we closed on a friday and we opened on a saturday was very stressful and i had put a banner out uh, the month before stating that we were relocating to uh the interstate which was the best thing that could ever happen to us ever yeah, just amazing though i mean we we see a lot of people that um, go under construction for months and months and you know they're they're there some people are closed completely and some people are are trying to get by but when I mean, you guys did this overnight you've been here and now you've expanded i mean you've got two new buildings here that's correct um and same thing i mean you were open the whole time i think you closed for a week or two weeks it actually ended up being a month it a took month, a little a longer uh, we anticipate on closing three weeks ended up taking a month uh, and a couple of weeks it was, but, it was a uh, heck of a build out that you led yourself, you know, as far as making this into your dream. It, it was it was a, it was amazing to see it come alive. We were we had the little building up front and we decided to take the HEB approach, which was brilliant on, on their behalf. Because I, I, I pay attention to everywhere I go. I'm always looking at who's going, who's doing what the approach people do in business. And one of the things I've noticed they've ever done is they'll go and get a small building and get it going. 
And once they test the market and it does well, they build behind it. And then overnight, they knock the front building down. They pay the parking lot and voila, here we are. It's and like, so, It's like pulling back the curtain sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. They Correct. did that in Tomball where yeah. I lived, the exact thing. It was like an HEB pantry is what they used to call it. Yes, sir, pantry. And, yes. Then, and they built the larger one behind it. And like you said, knocked it down. And, and now it's the big giant one with a good parking lot. So. And I think it's a, it's a smart way. And I, I took that and that's what we did. I uh, felt that... Our current base, we couldn't turn them away. We kept serving them. And also they got to see a glimpse of the new coming building, building up the anticipation, knowing that here we're going from the small trailer to this massive building. It's a total of about 8,000 square feet building, not including outdoor seating that we have, which is quite a bit as well. But uh, I thought it was important um, cranking up the anticipation as we were building and getting ready to close, letting people see. Uh, they'd come up to the back and then they'd look at the front of the building and like, oh my God, I can't believe how big the building's gonna be. And you know, I'd kind of cast a little vision, kind of give them an idea of how the layout was gonna be. And I could see people getting excited, getting antsy. And um, back in March, we closed down, and uh, actually, uh, it was before March, we closed down a month out, and March 24th, we opened our doors in our new building. And, and this is, this is uh, we'll try to do kind of a, a verbal walkthrough of this, because you talked to us about the flow of the people. I mean, everything is very, very um, defined by you as how people came in, how they're gonna sit, how they're gonna walk through this place. Um, some of the things that, that jump out to me are, you've got a glass wall behind the kitchen and you can see the pits right there when you order your food. Um, the memorabilia on the walls here is all car related and we'll, we'll talk there, there's a very personal reason for that. Um, any, anything else, Andrew, for you that, that really well, stands out unique? It's just a great customer setup as far as from when you come into the building to all the different options that you're gonna have, which we're talking about, which is opening soon, the, the bar portion of Hayes County Barbecue that's gonna be opening, hopefully by the time this episode airs, it, it should be open. Um, full bar, full bar menu, mixed drinks, beer, wine, the whole the whole thing. Yes, sir. And so it's just one of those, at live music is coming back. Live music has Yay. been a thing at Hayes County, <laughs> and, and, and that will be coming back. And, and it's going to be just a great space for everyone, for families to come to, for, for just groups of people to come and, and enjoy some great barbecue and, and have a couple of drinks and sit out and listen to live music. There's not enough of that in barbecue. As, as, as big as barbecue's gotten... You provide an experience that I that we you can't get very many other places at all, and I think that really is one of the great things about what you guys are doing. Seven days a week and and into the evenings on the weekends there, as well. There aren't many That's good barbecue yeah. places that are open the hours that you guys are open. You provide a great customer experience. Was that a business model? Was that part of the dream when you were first setting that up? Was to have this business model where it was this all-encompassing experience? Well, I think. Um what happened is I was in sales for so many years and uh, the customer service into me just continued to grow. And as I became very successful when I was in sales, I would sit back at times and, and would kind of, di uh, kind of dissect on what makes my sales tactic, tactic better than the other guy. People would wonder why, why do you have the most referrals? Why do you have the repeat customers? Why? And I think a lot of it, was, it was simple. It was a simple answer. I treated people like people. And so whenever it came time to do this big building, my goal, my number one goal, aside of providing top-notch barbecue, was to provide a customer experience. Uh, I wanted to uh, bust that myth of you have to have a hole in the wall to have good barbecue. My deal was I want all these elements that I was exposed to going to Lockhart, um, seeing the live fire, the, the, the firebox, seeing the smoke in the air. Uh, I want to take all these elements and incorporate them into the new building 
but without jeopardizing customer service, the customer experience. You know, they're still part of all that. They can walk through. It's very efficient. I can serve, you know, two, three hundred people less than 30, 40 minutes. It's very efficient. Um, but I also wanted to incorporate these things. Uh, like say, you can see into our pit area because we have big old glass that you can see through, see our big old monster pits. You can walk outside the back door and walk up to the actual pit, uh, the, the actual um, outside of the pit and you kind of see our fire boxes in action. Um, kind of like the open kitchen concept. You can see who's cooking your food, how clean we have our floors and all that. I think that's extremely important. I think uh, people want to know that. Um, and then of course, you know, the experience overall, the wait time, uh, the experience of being in an AC building. And, not, and not, to, not to bash anybody because that's not what I'm trying to do. This is my dream. This is what I felt that I wanted to do for my customers. You know what? It's important. I value them. I value their time. Therefore, what am I going to do? We're going to create a nice environment where people can stay for hours, relax in a nice, cool AC building. The efficiency of the flow will be there. You'll be served at a very minimal time. Yeah, three, uh, three cashiers. Three cashiers, cutters. two cutters. So we're able to get quite a bit of people. Even in our busiest time, we can we can move through people like no, no nobody else can. You, um, you referenced those monster pits. We've got to talk about those yes. monster pits because oh, those yeah. are very unique. Um, the pits at Hayes County are, um, Brian described them when we were talking earlier when we were in the pit room, and I think it's an accurate description. that They, they do... They are very reminiscent of the old brick pits, only they're steel. So, how did those come about? Was that a, a design by you, or? or? It, I did. I, there was a pit that was at the O location, and I like a lot of things about it. But we kind of re, revamped it a little bit. But whenever I went to Kreitz, I did ask if I could look inside the pit. And one of the things I noticed is they have a lot of sawdust, and so I'm like, man, this is a little messy. I, I want everything to be clean. So, how can we make this pit? How can we design a pit that is uh, uh, efficient as far as keeping the floors clean and all that? So we ended up taking the, the old concept and revamping it and making it to where you have the firebox. And it's, an, it's an indirect. Uh, you have the firebox on one end and then you have it a slant so the grease will travel on the bottom and go and empty into a uh, grease bucket. Uh, therefore allowing us to continue emptying those out and keeping a clean floor. And so, yeah, it's a unique, it's a unique uh, setup. Uh, you can kind of look at it. It's kind of like the the the, the pits at Kreitzer City Market. Uh, it doesn't have the fire brick, but it's just the metal that's been welded uh, in a octagon form that still gives you the same cooking space. That'll give you the ability to to cook a whole hog uh, without having to uh, fight the doors and, and all that. So yeah, flat, flat top. Flat so, top. so it's again you know, with the counterweights reminds me a lot of, of those. Oh, yeah, classic it's very markets. reminiscent of the Lockhart experience. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and square corners, and you know, in, in some of the world these days, everything is rounded, rounded, rounded. Um, obviously, it works very well because your, your meat gets plenty of smoke. It's not like it's a it's a defective design, but it it's very unique. I mean, you, you can't describe it. We, we'll have pictures. It's easier to see, but um, you know, like you said, it's kind of the bottom half of an octagon with a flat top. And, uh, and obviously a regular smokestack, um, but very interesting pits. It's, um, it's allows us, the design also allows us to smoke sausage on bars, which is, you'll put some on the grates and you can put some on actual bars. So it really maximizes the use of the, the firewood and the pit in the cooking space as well. So that's why I personally care for it. Uh, we've, we've stuck to making the rings, uh, the, the, little, the little C rings as you call them. And um, so that allows us to utilize, you know, in, in barbecue, you have to maximize your firewood you have to maximize your cooking space. And so that's one way, because of the design, it allows us to do lay some sausages on the grates and then also come back on top 
opening the lids and, and being able to put bars of sausage on there so they can smoke as well. And there's one thing missing from your pits. There are no thermometers on your pits. No thermometers. On, on that, that style pit. Um, has it always been that way? It has always been like that. Um, I have trained all my pit masters to not rely on a thermometer uh, because unfortunately they either get misplaced, they get broken, they give you a false reading. So the only uh, thing I've ever taught them to do is look at the way the fire's flowing, the flames, how much firewood. For the longest time I didn't have any doors on the uh, actual pit uh, fireboxes because you would actually, we, we would control the fire uh, flow by how much logs, how many sticks of firewood we were putting in and I would train them, hey you see that fire is burning too hot, it's, there's too strong of a draw which is putting high heat on our meats, you need to cut it back, take some out. And so that's something I've trained them. I feel that if you can train them that way and they ever somewhere without a, uh, a thermometer, they can get by the process you know, without having to rely on a thermometer. Yeah, it was very, very impressive um, and again it, it works very well here. Something that um, I, I'm trying to get farther and farther away from is watching that thermometer and, and trying to concentrate more on the fire and the flame. Um, any, I mean, obviously you've trained the guys pretty well. Any uh, interesting experiences with that as they, they came up through that? Well, they, they, some of the guys that came on board that you know, became pit masters under my belt, um, they, some of them had a couple, they were used to thermometers and, and they would panic and you know, like I would tell them, hey, you can have a thermometer, but if you have a hot spot, you don't know where your hot spot is, you're going to get a false reading. That's just it's better to know your pit intimately in the sense of not having any kind of gadgets on there, just strictly fire, wood, metal, and meats. And um, over time, they kind of got to see the value of not having to every time take time to look for a thermometer. They can just open it. They can eyeball it. And, of course, in, in the brisket world, um, there's never been an actual temperature for brisket, at least that I'm aware of. Uh, it's all by feel. And I know, like, uh, a lot of those guys. 207.5. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there was times where, you know, we had, there would, that was one of the questions my new guys would ask me, well, what temperature do you pull the brisket? I said, well, there's not a temperature. Speaking of brisket, you, you guys cook your briskets a little different, a little longer than a lot of places do. Uh, kind of tell us a little bit about your brisket process, because your briskets smoke for, for a long time. Um, they do. We put them on at 7 o'clock in the morning, and we usually stoke the fire to about 200, 250. It kind of uh, it changes throughout the day, but we try to keep it no, no higher than 250 throughout the day. Uh, we start ours with our, uh, the, the uh, lean on top, the flat on top, and then halfway through it, we flip them over to where it's the fat cap on top. Um, some folks do it different. That's just what's worked for me for the last you know, 11 years. That's how I've done it, and, and I don't anticipate on changing. Um, you get a little thicker smoke ring, um, but uh, yeah, so it, so it averages, you know, and also the, depending on the size of the brisket, you have an eight pounder, then you'll have a 13 pounder, whether that's gonna change your time. But on the average, anywhere from 18 to 22 hours is what we cook our briskets. Uh, some folks think that that's ridiculous. Some folks are intrigued by it. And yeah, it, I do it because it works for me. I mean, I mean, we've had briskets that went that long, single briskets, but- We didn't want them to, but they did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but on an average, I mean, that, that is on definitely on the higher side of average, um, which is interesting. You guys, you guys wrap during the cook? We wrap towards the very end. So we'll, we'll do uh, half of the uh, 18 hours, so six to seven hours with the lean up, and then the remaining uh, time with the fat side up, and right about maybe a couple of hours before they're actually, it starts to render down and getting ready to pull, we wrap them in the butcher paper. We do. So other than uh, brisket and sausage, um, you guys are, are fairly famous for the pork chops as well, and that's another thing that you see in, in Lockhart. Is that 
kind of where that came from just yes. your memories of that yes sir that's what it, that's where that came from and i wanted to uh there's two ways you can do a pork chop you can do it on the loin cook it as a loin or you can cut them individually uh, of course when you start cutting them individually you run the risk of drying them out so um, personally, when I have an event, if I'm going to do a special event, I like to do them individually because you can get the seasoning on both sides and it just kind of gives, it's a little bit more pungent in flavor. But even at that, the way we cook it now, it, it's still it's still a good pork chop, a really good pork chop. And we are probably one of the few um, barbecue joints that does a lot of proteins that we do. We, and we do beef ribs, we do brisket, we do pork ribs, we do pork chops, we do pork belly. We do chicken, we do turkey, and of course our two sausages that we make. So that's quite a bit of proteins. And, and lots of good sides too. Um, we can't stop talking without talking about the beans. beans. <laughs> so, Famous beans. So you guys have some amazing beans here. Um, anything that you can tell us on the record about them? I mean, I, they're, they're thick and they're full of meat, I can tell you that. Well, I, I uh, pretty much love beans. I'm a big fan of beans, and so I would have my version, and. One day I had some brisket that I, I took home and uh, the next morning I, I thought about it and I, I had some beans I had brought home and I mixed them in together and it just it wowed me and that's how I started making them that day from that day forth, uh, putting chunks of brisket in them and it just makes it a real meaty, hearty meal in itself. It's almost like a stew. Like, I mean, as far as the thick, meaty flavor, that hearty flavor in it, it's, there's, there's nothing like it. I mean, Hayes County Barbecue has been doing some great barbecue for the last... Four 11. years in this location, 11 years total. You've made the Texas Monthly List twice now. The, the dream has expanded. You know, at what's, it's almost, I almost feel sorry saying, <laughs> what's next? Because you well, just opened this amazing well, let's space. Talk about, yeah, let's talk let's, about the building that's talk, just yeah. about to open, that, that will be open, as you said, probably by the time this, this back building. When you open up this new front building, the live music went away. Um, and, and kind of the bar concept went away. You weren't serving hard liquor back then, but you, you know that, that piece kind of went away, but you've got something that's just about to open up. Tell us a little bit about this other building. We're, we're super excited. Um, you are correct, all that went away. So it was really, really rough for me because I love live music. I'm a big music fan. And um, of course you get music, live music, barbecue, classic cars and people all in one room, it's gonna be a good time. And so we had to stop the music, stop the uh, cell on the, uh, actually I had a beer bus in the back of our old place and we had to move it. So I didn't want to go through the trouble of running wire to it, getting it fired up. So I just kind of put everything on hold. But also on the back side, we knew that, on the flip side, we knew that this was coming, the live music, the full bar. And so whenever we laid out the, the actual, um, the layout of the both buildings, we thought we wanted to keep the front building more of a family style. And then, and for those folks that didn't want to get as rowdy, they could stay up front. And then we have it to where you walk through a breezeway and you go to our second building, which that one has garage doors pretty much wrapped around. We have uh, several brand new TVs wrapped around. They will have sports fights uh, aired. And then we also have an area where the musicians can set up and play live music. So on a given day, when the and weather allows, in, indoors, indoor, indoors. If, it's if the weather's bad and, and open up, it's, it's got like kind of the garage doors opening opening windows those giant ass windows and so you know yeah, when AC, the weather's, when the right, weather's hot mean, yeah you can order you're gonna be able to order drinks from outside from inside it's gonna i mean it's the the setup is just incredible yeah. we're we're uh, hoping to have it open this coming week and when it when it does take place we're going into the fall weather so we'll be able to 
really uh, enjoy what we've put back there in the sense of the layout, the uh, indoors, outdoors feel. Uh, we have more than enough seating, and I just uh, requested, I, I said, submitted a request to add more parking in the rear. Right now we have about 90 car parking up front. We'll have another 70 to 90 in the rear, uh, which would accommodate you know, any kind of event that we might have back there. So we're super excited, and, and I'm, it's going to be our overflow, and it's also going to be our bar. And the, the last component that it can be and will be, and we've done it several times, is we'll rent the entire backspace for parties, anniversaries, any kind of celebration. That, that's just outstanding. I mean, we're very, very excited about that. Um, one thing we did kind of skip over is a lot of this interior is fashioned with automotive memorabilia. So tell, there's, there's a connection with you on that, too. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, my first car was a 1966 Mustang, and I still have my father. I'm very grateful to still have my father in my life. Um, growing up, he taught me a lot about working on cars. We spent a little, many, many, many hours under the hood, under the car. Uh, he was a shade tree mechanic, so he taught me a lot about mechanics, how the components work, what you needed to do. And at the time, I was young. I, I would get really fussy because before that, you know, when I was still growing up, about 12 or 13, my friends would be on their bicycles in the neighborhood and he would pull me from that to go get under a car and I would be so angry because I'm like, Dad, this is not what I want to do. He's like, no, 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 you'll thank me later. See, see this? Take that off. You take that wrench, this is how you're going to position it. And he would go through his little spill. I would help change out transmission filters. I would do brake jobs. I would do uh, tune-ups and all that. He taught me all that. Well, it, you know, my dad and I are real close. I mean, we're like so close. And um, I wanted that memory to continue and what it's done what's the most interesting thing about it is i've had older folks come through and just stand and just look at the memorabilia that's here and they take a they take a uh, jump back into time and they'll be like my dad had that my mom used to drive that well i remember when my dad let me drive that and it's just a great feeling i mean it's just it's amazing it's amazing what that kind of memorabilia can have right the effect on folks that, that, that you don't see that much anymore. And you've got a, I, I know you've got a signed uh, Ed Big Daddy Roth poster back there. I did come across that. Is there any, any particular piece of memorabilia that, that's really special to you here? I have that that's special to me, and I have another um, that I'm fighting to bring to display, and it is a Stevie Ray Vaughan signed album. Uh, it's actually all the musicians have signed off on it. It's it's, it's really nice and inside a uh, uh, frame. It's a beautiful piece, and I'm I'm scared to bring it up here because I, I don't want it to walk off. But I do would love to share it with the world because it's one of those pieces that if you're a Stevie Ray Vaughan fan, you need to see. Um, ties so in ties into the music as absolutely. well. Absolutely, right? blues, so, yeah. barbecue, and classics, and people. Man, you just cannot. Yeah, I know it's and you know as you're talking about with the with the memories that the the classic cars and other memorabilia brings back for people that come in here, it ties into what we talk about a lot it, with barbecue and how barbecue is a communal experience and it's about memories and and gatherings and things like that. So everything it all kind of ties in and then of course what this space used to be. I mean it just it, it's kind of a nice little package of everything you know. And I think that's that's one of the great things about coming to Hayes County is it is it feels like an experience every time you come here. Um, and it feels like something that, it's a, it's a place you can go and you can always have a memory here. Absolutely, Yeah. absolutely. And, and, and I think that was kind of your dream and your goal from the beginning. And congratulations on, on, on achieving that. Um, you, you're on the record as saying before that your tagline is preserving Central Texas tradition. 
Correct. So what, to you, what is Central Texas tradition and, how, and have you achieved that? Have you preserved that, do you think? I believe so. I think when you look at it all together as a whole package, as you mentioned, we captured our, our audience, our customers, our value customers. They're able to come here and make memories, which barbecue is about memories. We got to have the element of the smoke and pits and, and the, the fireboxes exposed so people can see them without getting scorched. Um, you get the memorabilia, the atmosphere is great. We have good music, we have live music. People can make memories, celebrate with us. Um, and so preserving Central Texas to me means, number one, keeping our atmosphere welcoming, keeping it where we, we still take the, the, the Central Texas process, like the, the sea rings, uh, the, the course there again, the fireboxes, uh, the smoke in the air uh, that they can see through glass. Um, the communal sit sitting arrangement that we have, um, I want to preserve that from forever. I never want to shy away from that. That's outstanding. I mean, we're, we're so excited about this new building and, and especially the new, new building <laughs> <laughs> out back in the return of live music. I mean, it, it's going to go so great with your barbecue, which is, which is really outstanding here. Um, come and get you any day of the week, you know, seven days a week, and uh, just to get the address out there in case for some reason, somebody doesn't know, um, 1612 South Interstate 35 in San Marcos. Um, anything you want to uh, tell our listeners? Uh, just uh, come check us out. You'll be glad you did. Uh, it's, it's a great environment. It's a great experience. Um, here soon we'll have car shows uh, here coming up pretty quick. We'll have uh, live music. Of course, our bar will be opening up this coming week. Uh, if you want to have a good time, you want to bring some out-of-towners and come entertain them here, bring them on down. We welcome everybody and uh, come and experience it yourself. Well said, Michael. Congratulations on everything. Um, Thank it, you. It's, it's been amazing to watch this grow into what it's become. We're excited to see what it's going to evolve into over the years as this becomes one of those places that people talk about. You know, as far as I went here and I had this experience, I saw this band play and I had some really good brisket and, you know, me and my friends were drinking beers. You know, Brian and I have had a couple of nights up here with live music. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the places that we love going to for that whole experience. And so thank you for creating it. Thank you for what you've been doing. And we look forward to seeing what's next. Thank you. Thank you for your time, guys.